Will you pray with me, everybody? Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for this opportunity we get to surround your word, hear from you, so that our hearts might be transformed, so that we can live a life in line with you. Now, God, will you lift your word off of these pages and write them on our hearts so that we might look and represent you well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, let me, if you don't mind, let me read a little bit of stats for you to put our series in perspective. There are 30 million Americans right now that are suffering with some form of eating disorder. There are 40 million Americans, 18.1%, that are currently, today, struggling with some form of anxiety disorder. They are 40% of U.S. adults struggling with some form of mental health or substance abuse. There are about 17.7 million uh, Americans struggling right now with depression. There are about um, 6.8 million Americans with general, some form of frustrated, pent-up, anxious disorders. So, as we lead into Christmas, we're, we're going to see the dawning of this indestructible joy. I want to start a series today. And the series is called Gift Exchange. You give God your pain, and he'll give you peace. You give God your hurts, and he'll give you healing. As we go all the way through to our Christmas Eve services, we're going to talk about different forms of struggles that people have, and the fact that God wants to exchange that. If you give it to him, he wants to exchange it and give you a gift that you will never forget. So today, we're going to start our series, and as we start it, we're going to look at this thing called hurt. Give God your hurt, and he will give you healing. Little did I know that uh, I was going to do this series, that I watched a movie that my family uh, literally tremendously enjoyed. The movie, some of you might have seen it, it's called Jingle... Jangle. It's a Christmas journey of a young man played by Forrest Whitaker, and he is an inventor, y'all, and he invents toys, and he comes up with all these creative toys, and his dream is to put a toy in the home of every American, of every person, so that the kids will light up with joy. As the movie opens, uh, the entire uh, square is excited. Ideas are flowing. It's, it's, it's a Christmas season. People are excited about what's going to happen with this toy inventor. He's inventing some cool stuff. You go into his shop and you see some really cool things being invented and kids are having the time of their lives. People are dancing and it's amazing. That's how it starts. And then right in the beginning of the movie, uh, he has this apprentice. 
an apprentice. He's trying to become an inventor like the main inventor. And as he goes through that process, he, he's trying and he's failing. He's trying and he's failing. And he's frustrated with it. And then the big one comes. He invents a toy that comes to life. It will change households all over the world if kids ever see and get to experience this toy. And as they're going through it, he's excited. It's finally worked. All his mathematical formulas come together in this perfect, incredible toy. He is so excited. The community is so excited. Everybody is excited. And then he decides, oh, we're so excited. Let's go. Let's just go take a break. And he walks outside of the shop and he says to, to his apprentice, young man, I want you to stay and just clean up after me. And then, and then, and then you can go home. And in this wonderful story, this protege decides that uh, it's my turn now. So he's going to take this toy, leave, and devastate the inventor. For 30 years, 30 years, this inventor that was full with joy and inspiration and excitement, all of a sudden he's sad and he's depressed and he's hurting and there is no joy, there is no invention. He, he, he can't dream big dreams anymore because, because his best idea was stolen from him. I wonder if there's anybody here today that because of COVID and because of these experiences, you're so you're so hurt because of it. I wonder if there's anybody here that, 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 that for years and years and years because of pain in your past is walking around hurt, disappointed, crushed, can't get out of bed sometimes because of mistakes and regrets that you've made in your past. I just wonder for a moment, and, and by the way, I know how Americans do it, so we, we, don't, we, we don't walk around like that. We fake it. But in the heart, you know, that's why you don't like silence. Because you got to have some noise around you so you don't have to listen to the stuff that's buried in your heart. So you have perfectly created the coping mechanism to avoid listening to the deafening silence of your heart. Where you have to look back in the face of the pain, the abuse, whether verbal or physical. You have to look back in the pain of, I didn't have a good dad or a good mom that brought me up. You have to look back in the face of the pain from being fired from the last job. The pain from somebody stealing your idea. The pain from being frustrated because you just can't get these kids to do what you want them to do. And it's frustrating and it's painful. So you fill your life with stuff. So you don't have to hear your heart crying out for help. Anybody with me yet? Y'all all right? <laughs> so let's go see a guy called Paul. Because he went through something very, very similar. Second Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 
And let's see if we can learn anything from this apostle. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. And as you go through it, let me give you the setup of this. Paul is talking to a group, a church gathered in Corinth. And he is saying to them, there are these super apostles that walk around braggadociously just sharing how, how, how good they are. And Paul is saying, I can play that game. I don't want to. But if you make me, I'm going to show you. If, if you think they have something to brag about, I do too. But let me, let me tell you what I would brag about. And he gives us a window into his life so you can see the pain, the hurt, how he has been crushed by this experience. And it's just a small window. And we get to look into his life, not because he was trying to share it, but because the super apostles were sharing how how talented and gifted and why they were worthy to be listened to. And Paul had to share. And he gives us this little window into his life. Come check it out. Check it out. Here's here's what he says. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 22. Family, here's what he has to say. He says this, are there, are there Hebrews? Yeah, so am I. Uh, 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 Are there Israelites? Yeah, so am I. Are there descendants of Abraham? Yep, so so am I. Are they servants of Christ? Yeah, 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 me too. I far more actually. Um, Then he continues, um, for far more labors, here we go, far more imprisonments, beaten times over and over again, often in danger of death, five times received from the Jews 39 lashes. And he's talking about, and if, if Paul were to take his shirt off, you would see, you would see scars over and over and over and over again where he was beaten for this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he believed so much. He's showing you his hurt. He continues. He says, that's, that's not enough. Let me keep going. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentile, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the brethren. I have been in labor, listen, and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst. Often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, let me tell you what was going on inside of me. He continues. There is the daily pressure of, on me of my concern or anxiety, same word, for the churches. Here's what Paul's saying. You think it's easy leading all them churches? He says, I got to carry that burden around, all the drama that goes on all day long. I got to carry that concern around. I think, this church going to make it? Is this one going to make it? He says, I got to carry it on me, all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 29, who is weak without being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Here we go, verse 30, last verse. If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weaknesses. Do you see what the apostle is saying? He's saying, listen, I'm just grateful I get to share in the sufferings of Christ for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what Paul is doing here, family, is he's painting a picture, listen, of of what the healthy Christian goes through. No, here's the problem. We live in North America, and we have become used to, we've gotten used to Christianity without pain. 
We've gotten used to it. That's why the Bible tells you, if, if you love me, the world's going to hate you. Well, hold on. Don't, don't say yes yet. Because for far too many Christians, the world don't hate that. The world actually loves you. Which really means you have lowered your standard to that of the world. So you don't live like the light of Jesus Christ. You live like the culture wants you to live so that they can't complain about anything you say or do because you look just like them. Anybody in the house today? But Paul is saying, Paul is saying, hey, this is, if you love Jesus and walk out your faith, folk ain't gonna like you. He says, you think you hurt yet? You just start living for Jesus for real. And watch how many people come out the woodwork and try to cancel you on social media and try to cancel you on your street and try to cancel you on your job. They're going to try to cancel you everywhere because if you're the light and when you walk in, the darkness has to flee, then they're going to say, get out of here. You're too much light. I don't want you anymore. Therein lies the issue. Now you have to face the hardship. Now you have to deal with the pain. Now you have to deal with the rejection. But there are two types of hurts, ladies and gentlemen. Turn in your notes if you don't mind. There are two types of hurts. The first one, two sources of it, is hurts that originate with us. That's what Paul's talking about. Because of what he represented, because of his love for Jesus and his sharing in the suffering of Jesus, then he had to go through some things because of the decisions he made because of the way he thought, and because of the value system he has. But then there's hurt that we inherit. Nobody wants to talk about this kind of hurt. But there's also hurt that we inherit. There's, there's hurt that originate with us, our decisions, uh, the, the environment we grew up in, and so on and so forth. But then there's hurt that we inherited. Go to Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy, and let's pick it up in chapter 5. Let's read only two verses in this one. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Don't miss it. Just walk with me. It's going to make sense. Here's what this one says. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says this. But you shall not worship, verse number 9, or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Here we go. Here's the phrase. Visiting the, say that word with me, family, iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, watch that now, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Let me explain it if you don't mind. The word iniquity there, it simply means to bend. To bend. Let me explain. Um, uh, uh, parents, whenever God's calling you to lead your family, he wants you to show and reveal the character of Christ to your family. That's what he wants. He wants you to show your kids what it looks like to when Jesus embodies you and you're living out the principles and the lifestyle of Jesus. That's what's supposed to happen. But when you decide that you want to pick and choose what part of Christ's character to model and what part to leave out, Y'all there? Okay. When you decide to do that, this is how you're supposed to look when you're reflecting Christ. When you're not reflecting Christ in some area, you start looking like this. But here's the problem. You think this normal. So you're walking around like this. Because you have so much negativity, which is not of Christ. So you're walking around, but you don't realize it because it's so normal to you. 
So all of a sudden now, this is how you're walking. And you say, hey guys, how you doing? Everybody looking at you like you're crazy. But you can't see it. And you don't have nobody that loves you enough to tell you how you really look. So now you keep walking like this. And people, and you be like, hey kids, and here's how your kid look. Just like that. And you're walking around not realizing that you have transferred to your kids. Because in this area, you decided not to follow Christ. In this area, you, let me give you some areas. In terms of greed, you decided not to follow Christ. That's what you did. You, you said, no, not me. I don't need to. In terms of anger, you decided not to follow Christ. In terms of how you deal with sexism, verbal abuse, and physical abuse, racism, pride, dishonesty, divorce, immorality, negativity, your, your, your sense of where you get your value from, your performance, your motivation, you decide that God, I know better than you, so I'm going to follow my own way, and I'm going to walk with a bend, and everybody that's, okay, you're not feeling me, um, um. If you do this positively, the text says, then your kids will grow up and be a blessing to everybody else. But if you, if you don't evaluate your life, then you're going to carry the hurts from your great, 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 great grandparents. And you're going to carry that hurts with you. And everywhere you go, you're going to be walking around with hurts that you're not even sometimes aware of. Or if you're aware of, listen to me now, you're going to, uh, in, uh, this week I was talking to a young lady and, and she said, Pastor, you know, my mom, she was crazy. She couldn't even talk to my dad. And, and, and then they, they got a divorce and she was just crazy and she would just say anything every time you want and so and so pastor I, I i i see myself doing the same thing yeah, yeah 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 because parents you're the most powerful influence on your kids they're going to re- re- reproduce what they see okay you're still not feeling me um maybe this will help so the truth of the matter is that in track they'll give you this thing in track to make sure if i can put it on here let's see did I get it? Yeah, there we go. They give you this thing in track. This is how it's supposed to look? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good right there. They give you this thing in track and field back in the day, way back in the day when I used to run. Way, 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 way back. Okay, Jada, don't say nothing else. But way back. Um, they give you this thing in track, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to run, and it's supposed to create a resistance for you so you can, so you can get your form and def- define your stuff a little more. Anyway, but here's what it looked like. For parents who don't realize that their parents have influenced them negatively. What you have is you trying to walk. You trying to go places. But you can't even go freely. You got to get, you got to work against something. And here's what happens over time. You think this is normal. That everything is supposed to look like this. So you try to walk. And your kids try to walk. And everything is a struggle. Everybody else walking right by you. Everybody else walking by you. Enjoying their life. And you can't understand why. And it's because of the hurt of your past. That you don't want to let go of. And it's been passed down to you. And you keep walking. But it's a struggle to walk everywhere you go because it's so hard and God says I have given you and I desire to give you a gift so that you can take this off of you so you can enjoy the healing of Jesus Christ but you and I love walking around I ain't changing nothing they gotta say here's what somebody said the other day well well pastor I need a man that can handle me 
you mean you want a man that love your baggage and walk with your baggage too. So that both of y'all can be holding hands. Both of y'all got baggage. And now you want to blame a good man for not having and wanting to deal with your foolishness. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleading with you. To the third and fourth generation. When you make a decision in today, it's not just affecting you. It's affecting everybody that watches you. Therefore, God invites you to this gift exchange today. Will you give him your heart? The fact that you want to hide it away. You want to cover it up. You want to do all that. He says, no, I want you to give it to me. Because it's affecting every relationship you have. And you don't even realize it. Can I get a witness, man? So here we go. I'm going to keep it on. Just to show you. That you got to release it. You got to release it. Here's what happens. So when you have both these sources of hurt. That's influencing you. Here's what happens now. Now life hurts. That's the first number one in your blank. Now life hurts. Now you're walking around, it started with pain, but now it's lodged in your heart. It accumulates in your heart. That's thought number two. Unless we deal with the pain properly when it occurs, it accumulates within our hearts. And when you don't address it then, those, unre- those unresolved problems compromise your mental, emotional, physical, and relational health. Now it's affecting how you talk to God. Because you want to blame God for not delivering you out of some stuff. Now it affects how you deal with anybody that comes across your path. It affects how you deal with your co-workers. It affects how you deal with your employees. It affects how you deal with your boss. It affects how you deal with your spouse. It affects how you deal with your kids. All because of your unawareness that you're walking around with this everywhere you go. But it's accumulating in your heart. So now you don't see it fully. Because you have mastered the art of masking it. Watch it. It hurts you so much, it's now become your identity. It now defines you. Because now you can't see yourself unless you see this. So everywhere you go, everybody, you are now known for your negativity. You are now known For the fact that you can't keep your mouth shut. You are now known for the fact that you're greedy and it's all about money for you. You are now known, it's identity, your identity, your identity is no longer in Christ. Your identity is in the pain of your past. No, anytime anybody see you, they know what you're going to talk about because you carry your pain with you. Now, every time you open your mouth, they know what's going to come next because you carry your pain with you. And the question is, God invites you today. Will you take it off? Will you please? Will you exchange gifts with me? Here's what he's saying to you. Will you do this for me, please? He says, will you, will you please open up one of these? Will you please give him yours, whatever your pain is? For some of you, it's heartbreak. Will you give him your heartbreak? Because when you give it to him, he wants to give you a gift in return. Will you give him that? Uh, for some of you, let's see. For some of you, it's not your heartbreak. For some of you, it's, let's see. God says, 
It's rejection. Will you give him your rejection? Will you leave it? Will, will you get rid of it? Will you, will you take stuff off so he can do what he wants to do in your own heart? But, 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 but it gets better. Here's what we do. This is, please take some notes right here. Here's what we do. We have three ways. We all have a strategy to deal with this pain. What do we do, y'all? We're either going to follow David or we're going to follow Solomon or we're going to follow Absalom. All three of them dealt with their pain, dealt with their hurt, and covered it up. All three of them. King David. <laughs> My boy David, um, he, he was always overlooked by his dad. Hey, 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 do you have a son? I, I need to see a son. Everybody gets called except David. David is looking for this affirmation from that. He's looking for that, a boy, David. I'm proud of you. He's looking for David. I, let, let's go for a walk together, David. He's looking for David. Let's, let, let's go, let's go, let's go do this together, David. And he, David is looking for a pat on his back and an affirmation from his dad. And he never gets it. So he's walking around with these scars. And a lot of people today are walking around. Their dad wasn't in their lives. And they don't realize that there is a yearning for affirmation from a man on your life. And because you don't have it, you now go looking for affirmation in all the wrong places. So David did. So instead of exchanging the healing of the heart, David said, well, maybe I can go find it with Bathsheba. Because she affirmed me. She told me I was a great king. She told me, you all that, David. You all that. And because of it, listen, he medicated. That's the word you're looking for. He medicated his pain. He said, let me pop some, let me pop some pills called affirmation from my girl Bathsheba. And it medicated. But there's a second one. No, no. Some of you are like, yeah, that's not me. That's okay. No problem. Solomon. Solomon didn't medicate his. He motivated his. See, because Solomon loved to build stuff. Killed his brother. He, he loves to build stuff. He wants to build stuff. He, in other words, since he was in hot pursuit of being the man, he came from David and Bathsheba. And so now he's always having to prove himself. So what did he do? He says, I'm just going to start building stuff. So I'm going to build and 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 build. And every single thing he built came to ruins. Because what he thought was if I just achieve more, I can hide the pain in my heart by just achieving more and more and more and more and more. That's what many of us do, don't we? We just say, let's just work harder. Fellas, come on, fellas. We just want to work hard. Let's just work hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. I can provide for my family. Oh, yeah, we're going to do it all. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this thing big. And you think the healing is found in doing more. Can I get a witness? Y'all quiet in here. Y'all all right? Are y'all with me, family, I, online? Are y'all with me so far? I'm trying to help somebody now. So, so, so you're either going to choose medication or you're going to choose motivation or you're going to go to route of Absalom. You know what happened to my boy Absalom, right? He, he had a brother, half-brother, that raped his sister Tamar. And he, 
he despised. He was so angry. But he couldn't do nothing immediately. So he waited. And he thought about it. And he stewed over it. And it just percolated and percolated and percolated and percolated. And he wouldn't deal with it. So he, per- he allowed it to percolate and percolate and percolate and percolate and percolate. So that two years later, it took two years. And he said, I'm going to kill you. And he sent his peeps to go kill him. Because he wouldn't release him. No, I know what you're saying, fam. I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, yeah, Pastor, I ain't going to kill nobody. No, but would you write him off? You, 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 you argue, I wish, I wish the worst on you. I hope you die. I wish you lose your job. I, w- I, w- I wish you would die today. I just can't stand you. I wish all your kids will die. I wish all your kids get sick. And you just go on a tirade in your mind wishing the worst for the people that hurt you. Because you don't want to give your hurt to Jesus. Are you walking with me, family? This is a big deal, man. It's a big deal. And because of it, all our relationships are affected. Our relationship with God, affected. Our mental health, affected. Our physical health, affected. All because we don't want to take it off. And say, all right, God, I've done it my way. It don't work. I need to try your way. Will you heal my heart, God? Come on, let's see what he says. Come on, let's see if we can turn this corner and get to some good news. But hold on. I got to go to number two first. Let's go to number two. Did I finish all my little blanks? Yeah, I did. Good. Number two. The, de- the devil, here's what the enemy does, y'all. The enemy is, is, isn't, isn't dangerous because he's evil. He's dangerous because he disguises himself. And he disguises himself in two ways, as you and as God. Go home and read Genesis chapter 3 when you get some time. But he disguised. So he comes up and whispers in your mind. You, you don't need. You're okay. You've dealt with that. You're fine. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, no. You don't have to give. Just leave it alone. You're good. You'll just walk, keep going. It won't impact you at all. And then he disguised himself as God. Hey, it's okay. It's all right. I'm going to heal you from this. You're good. You don't have to do nothing else. Just stay. You're good. You're good. You're good. Me, I'm the only one you need. You don't have to do nothing else. Just, just, just keep it in your heart and just run closer to me and you'll be all right. He disguised herself and deceived and he's been doing it for years and years and years. And all you have to know, you know how you know you still have issues in your heart? <clears throat> Let somebody bring up the person's name. You're not going to say nothing, but your countenance change. You're like, <laughs> Let you get a let you get an email from them. Let your let your social media history bring back up a picture <laughs> with you and them. See how quickly you delete it. Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So then, how did Paul deal with his hurt? I want to go to two other passages. and then How did Paul deal with his hurts? Turn back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to see, Paul showed us the window, but my question is, Paul, how did you deal with this stuff, man? This ain't no easy stuff. How did you deal with this? 
Well, he tells us. Here's a, here's a piece of passage that you need to make sure you, you highlight in your Bible. Let's pick it up in verse number three. Here's what Paul says. Paul, how did you deal with the hurt? How did you deal with the stuff you inherited? How did you deal with the stuff that originated with you? Here we go. He tells us. Blessed be the God, verse three of Second Corinthians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. The Father of mercies and the, here it is, God of all comfort. So he says, he says I, I got a God of all comfort. The only reason I made it through this thing is because the God of all comfort was with me. That's how I made it through it. Because I know a God that he comforts me in the midst of my pain. And I know how to run to him and ask him to comfort me. The Bible continues. Watch the text. He continues. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, here it is. Here go the problem. Here go the problem. Do you know why so many church people are not comforted because the same church people have not been comforted by God, which is why they don't know how to comfort other people. So now God himself wants to use you to comfort others, but you haven't even dealt with your drama yet, so you don't even know what it feels like to receive the comfort from God, so you are now equipped to comfort others. So the body goes around being hurt, being battered, being bruised, be carrying scars in your heart, and ain't nobody can comfort them because we have not yet learned to receive that kind of comfort from God. So we go to people in the world to get comforted when we really, as a body of believers, ought to be comforting each other. Paul tells you, he continues. The text, it's, it's so rich, he continues. He says, let's go to verse number five. For just as the suffering of Christ are ours in abundance. Whoa, 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 whoa. You messed me up right there, Paul. Just like the sufferings of Christ are ours in, say that next word with me, So why are you running away from suffering? If it's supposed to be yours in abundance. If you're supposed to be like Christ, he suffered with his enemies and he still allowed that suffering so that he could set you free. Then why are you running from suffering? Why aren't you calling for God to comfort you in the midst of the suffering instead of keep running away from it? The text continues. It's just so good it continues. The text says, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Let me read the verse 5 again. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Last verse, verse number 6. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings we, which we also suffer. Let me read verse 7. For our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Here's all he's trying to say. Since you are a Christian and you realize that part of the Christian life is suffering, then you also realize part of the Christian life is being comforted by the comfort from God. Both of those work hand in hand. You don't get the comfort unless you want to admit the, su the, the suffering. 
You see, you want comfort when you don't want to address the things in your heart. And he says, unless you address these things in your heart and give them to... Okay, you don't believe me. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. Go to John. Go to John. John, John, John. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. You don't believe me. So go to John chapter 5. You don't need no illustration today. Just go to John chapter 5. Come here. Just let the word itself do it. You remember the, the healing at Bethesda? You remember the man for 30 some years can't get in the pool. Everybody beat him to the pool before he gets there. Remember that? I'm going to show you divine healing. Watch how divine healing happens. First of all, you need to know that healing is a partnership between you and God. If you go and get healed, it has to pass out where you get that from. Go to num- verse number five. A man was there who had been uh, ill for 38 years. Verse number six. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, here's what Jesus said. He said to him, do you wish to get well? There go the problem. Jesus is asking you, do you want to get well? You're telling Jesus, I'm good. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Because you have so tried to cope with it, that ain't nothing wrong with you. So you're walking around. Everybody can see it. Everybody can see it except you. And Jesus is saying, do you want to take this thing off or not? Because divine healing has to be a partnership between you and God. If you don't want to get well, then he can't help you. So you have to say, God, here go the problem. Let me take this thing off so you can deal with it. Do you want to get well? He continues. Watch it. Divine healing. This, none of this is in the notes, by the way. I just did some more work last night. Number two. Number two. Second thought he said. Watch this. He says healing is a lifestyle and demands a change in the way we live. Pastor, where you get that from? What's the verse? What's the text? What's the text? Go, go, go. Uh, verse, chapter 5, same verse. Um, let's go number, verse number 8. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Uh, go all the way down to verse number 14. No, start at verse 13. But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Watch verse 14. Watch this. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. (laughs) Don't tell Jesus you want to have it dealt with, but when he heals you, you go back to your raggedy living. No, sir. No, sir. Jesus is, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. When I heal you, your lifestyle better change and you better live with gratitude for all that Jesus has done. You see, we got people who want to say, God, yeah, will you heal me, God? And you get healed and then you go start doing exactly the same things you were doing before. Jesus says that means you're going to have a hardened heart and that hardened heart means I can't get through to you no more, which means I have to turn you over to the enemy. That's where you're headed. So if you want divine healing, first of all, you got to make sure it's a partnership with God. Do you want to get well? And then once you get it, you got to make sure it's a lifestyle. Okay, God, now I know it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live differently now because of the healing I received from you. But then there's one more to our divine healing. Watch this. Watch this. There's one more. The healing is about redeeming God's purpose for our lives. Let me show you what I mean. When the man was by the pool and couldn't move, he could not fulfill God's purpose for him. 
So whenever God heals your heart from the hurt and gives you healing, he now wants you to address his purposes for your life, not yours. Because too many people, once you get healed, oh yeah, okay, let me go do this over here. Let me go make as much money as I can. Okay, let me go do this. And you go about doing everything except God's purposes for you. God says, I'm not in the healing business so you can look good. I'm in the healing business so I can look good. He says, when you get healed and when I take this off of you and you don't have the load no more, what I want you to do is I want you to tell everybody, look at what the Lord has done. I used to walk around with this, but now I'm free and I can dance and I can have a party. Why? Because of what Jesus did in my life. I'm trying to help somebody. Back in the day, um, um, a young boy got a Bible from his, from his grandma. And he's reading the Bible, and every time in the Bible, he sees the word T, the letters T and P. He, he goes to the book of John. He sees beside this verse, T and P. He goes to another passage. He goes to 1 Corinthians, and he sees T and P. He says, why does, why does she always put T and P beside these Bible verses all over her Bible? This don't make no sense to me. What the world? So he's trying to figure it out. He's gone to the dictionary to see if he can figure it out. He Googles it, see if he can figure it out. Why does she put, but when he put in T, nothing comes up. So he's like, I don't know. What? Let me go ask. Let me go ask why. Grandma, what, 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 what's wrong with you? What, what, why are you putting T? Is it toilet paper? What are you putting on there, Grandma? What, what T and P? She says, no, baby. Whenever you see T, that's because when I'm reading that particular passage, before I know what God's going to do, I, write, I have to write T, which means, God, I'm going to test. I'm going to see if this is true. And whenever he answers the prayer, then I put P, proven. So first he's tested, and then he's proven. See, all over your Bible, you should see all things work together for good. T. When he comes through for you, you put P. I know, I know my God, I know what he'll do. If I just go verse by verse by verse by verse in all of the texts, I can put T and then I can put P. You can put T and then in about a day or in another hour, you can say put a P on that. You ought to walk around with your Bible verse and you ought to say those who wait upon the Lord. T. When he renews your strength, you better put the word P. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve a God that desires, that wants to exchange your hurt and give you healing. But if you're going to get there, it has to start when you say, God, I do want your help. In, in that same movie, 30 years later, his granddaughter shows up at the house. At first, he didn't even want to see her go back home. It couldn't be you. Uh, 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 uh. Because right now, he is, he's, he's dejected. He's depressed. He is down. He is out. The, the, the store has become a pawn shop. The whole thing. And now he's like literally down and out. His little granddaughter comes. She's a mathematician. And she starts telling him and inspiring him again. And she starts comforting him. And she starts reminding him of who he used to be. 
and who God's called him. Well, let me not say God. Of who he's, who he's, he used to be. And all of a sudden, despair was replaced with hope. Loneliness was replaced with comfort and family. Where he couldn't dream, he started dreaming some more. Where, where he was, he was not being able to be inspired. He started being inspired some more. And all of a sudden, thoughts and ideas start coming back up. And before you know it, he invented a toy better than the first one. And kids all across the world could enjoy that toy. Because he was comforted by his granddaughter. Then she brought her mom, and both of them came, and a brand new invention was created. Can I tell you what God wants to do with you today? He wants to comfort you with the comfort of God. And he wants, once he's comforted you, once you have received the healing, then he wants you to go find everybody else you can find and tell them who you used to be and who you are today. Can I get a witness, one family? Glory to God in this place. Glory to God in this place. Will you allow me to pray with you, please, fam? Heavenly Father, will you, will you please, will you please hear the cries of your people? For all of us who have accumulated hurt and pain in our hearts, and it's, it's there, we've masked it, we've found ways to cope with it, but it's there. Will you, will you, will you ask us the question of, again, do you, do you want to get well? And will you help us now, God, to then look within and say, here's a couple, God, that I know I'm still carrying with me. Will you do what only you can do and give me the gift of healing and I'll give you the gift of hurt. Will you do that this morning? Will you do that today, one family? Will you identify it as a family? Will you identify that as a single person? Will you just write down, God, here are my hurts. Here they are. And I'm going to give them to you. And, and God, we're going to do this together. I don't want you to do it by yourself. I want to do it together. It's not just give it to God, but it's God, I know you want me to name them, so I'm going to name them. And then you say, okay, God, I, I'm going to live a different lifestyle in light of that. And then, God, I'm going to live for your glory, not mine. In light. That's how divine healing happens. And so, God, we're saying to you today, as a body of believers, here's our, here's our hurt, here's our pain. Will you replace it with healing in our hearts? this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Come on, family. Let's give God a round of applause. Come on. Yeah.